Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. Thursday. Was Thursdays and Sundays lately, I've been going for bike rides from my house to Dry Creek and riding. And, and Thursday, I, I left Thursday morning and went out to Dry Creek and um, go in at the parking lot, coffee and scenic, and, and then cross the bridge and kind of ride. And, and I was riding. And this past week of riding my bike, I've run over three things. Ran over a squirrel. Uh, and, and when I first started riding Dry Creek, my friend Eddie told me not to brake for, for the, the squirrels that run across the trail because you'll just crash and hurt yourself. So I just kept going. Anyway, I ran over a squirrel, ran over a lizard. And then the most terrifying moment was when I ran over a, a very large gopher snake. I didn't see its head or its tail, just its body lying across the uh, trail between the high grass. I also saw Mark Evans. I didn't run him over, though. <laughs> I do stop for some things. But I crossed the, 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 the bridge, and, and about an hour and a half later, when I was coming back over the bridge and then coming back to the parking lot, I didn't see it on my way in because it wasn't there, but an hour and a half later, if you've been in that area, there's a picnic, picnic table and kind of a shelter there right before you get to the parking lot. And I don't stop for anything, but I saw something and I stopped and I backed up and I took a picture and, and this is what I saw. And to give you some context of my ride, normally I listen to a podcast but Thursday, I was listening to two songs the entire two hours that I was riding. And it worked out okay, because one song was 14 minutes, the other song was like 10. But these two songs were going over and over. And God had me <laughs> in this place of listening and reflection. And when I saw that picture, God brought this scripture to mind. Then I heard something like the, the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, hallelujah, because the Lord, the Lord God, the almighty reigns. Let us be glad, rejoice and give him glory because the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure. For the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. And he said to me, right, blessed are those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. I saw a wig and a wedding dress in the garbage. 
And it was in that moment that the Spirit said to me, is that what you do? You get what you want from me. And then you throw the dress away and do what you want. You love the invitation to the feast, but you don't obey and you do things your own way. You love my salvation, but you're not willing to go out and wear what I've prepared for you and be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. I don't know who put that there. But the question this morning for us as we get into what God has for us is this. No matter what happens around you, no matter what you face, are you and I willing to obey? Are we willing to obey Jesus our King? Are we willing to wear what he's called us to wear? That wedding dress that is the acts of the saints and that that wedding dress that God has prepared for us is also stained with his blood. Are we willing to be those people? Love the Travis let us that familiar chorus, I love you, Lord. The question this morning is, do we? Let's let that be our prayer this morning. Can you sing that again? Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Amen. This morning, I've been looking forward to the passage that God has for us. And um, I want you to be thinking as we walk through the passage in this morning, and as you go out from there, I want you to be thinking about 
your life and your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because as people who surrender to Jesus Christ, who have had their sins forgiven, who've been brought into the family of God, made priests, at that moment that Jesus forgives us, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. But there's something more that we need to recognize daily, and I would even say hourly, (laughs) and that is being filled with the Spirit. Every person who has come to Jesus Christ for salvation has the Holy Spirit. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But not all of us, even at this moment here at church, are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's with us and always there, but we're not always full of the Spirit because we're full of a lot of other things. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and here's something that maybe we can tell as we, as we look at this, is we are, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are obsessed with who Jesus is and what God is doing. That is a marker of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is that you are obsessed with the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, and what God is doing. If you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter four. We're gonna go through through verse 31. And I'm just gonna read through the passage and drop hints as we go through the passage. Things to think about as we walk through what Luke writes in Acts chapter four, because I think there's some really significant moments for us today that are, that are in this passage. And so in Acts chapter four, starting in verse one, it says, and, and remember last week as, as Travis preached, um, we're, we're picking up, this is the same event. This is the same moment where Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray and they meet this, this lame beggar and, and, and they don't have any money for him, but they, 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 in the name of Jesus, ask him to get up and walk. And he gets up and walks and he goes into the temple for the first time. And, and Peter preaches about the name of Jesus. And so we pick up in chapter four. It says, and as they, Peter and John, were speaking to the people, the priests, because they're at the temple, and the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So here's where we are. Peter and John, are, are, they're preaching in the temple off the heels of this man who was lame from birth. We learn later that he's about 40, he's, he's 40 years old, over 40 years old, he's been lame. And, and, and Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, heals him, and this man gets up going around, and then they, they are preaching about who Jesus is and the works that God is doing And it says that the priests and the religious leaders are annoyed. I think it's interesting in this this 
context, you have the high priest who's there, and we'll, we'll, we'll see this in a minute. And it says you've got the captain of the temple, the guard. Interesting that the captain of the temple guard is actually the second highest rank next to the high priest in the structure. So you've got the high priest who's there, you've got the captain of the temple guard who, who has second highest amount of authority in, this, in the system there. And it says the Sadducees were there and they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching people and proclaiming resurrection from the dead in Jesus Christ. Because you see, the, the Sadducees, they were, they were more of a politically linked group to Rome. Even though they were Jewish, they were kind of made this political alliance with Rome so that they could keep their authority and power and that Rome would generally leave them alone as long they, as they appeased kind of the beast. <laughs> And, and so the Sadducees were, were this, this kind of elite ruling class within religious Israel, and they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They would disagree with the Pharisees and say, no, 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 that's, there's no resurrection from the dead. And, and, and so they were annoyed that Peter was proclaiming Jesus Christ raised from the dead. And it says they were arrested, they were taken into custody, and because it was evening, they were held overnight. You see, Jewish law said that you could not hold a trial or hearings uh, for, a, for a human being, for a person at night. It had to be concluded during the day. You could do financial matters at night, but you couldn't do human things at night. And so that's why they took them into custody and they kept them overnight because, you know, they're sticklers for the rules, except when it doesn't fit them. <laughs> so verse five, it says, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered in together in Jerusalem. And here's who's there with Annas, the high priest, who was the former high priest, and then it says, with Caiaphas, who's the current high priest. And it says, and John, who is most likely Annas', Annas uh, grandson, who's the future high priest, all of them appointed by Rome, because Rome is the occupying nation at this point. I'm not sure how Rome decides who the high priest is, but they did. And then it says, Alexander... Not really sure who that is. And all who were of the high priestly family. So you got elder, rulers, elders, scribes gathered together with the highest powers in, in, in Israel. It says, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? The way they held counsel was that they got in a big half circle with all of them. There, there, was, there was at times over 70 of them in a big half circle and whoever they were addressing would stand in the middle so that everyone could face them and everyone could see each other. And so they, they, ask, they ask this question, by what power or name do you speak of? And, and, and in this is the implication is this, not by our power or our name because we haven't given you any authority to go around doing what you're doing. So first of all, let's make clear that you didn't get this from us and we are the gatekeepers of the God of the Old Testament. 
So you didn't get this power from us. And, 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 and what they're saying is that um, we also kind of recognize, they kind of know this, that, that they're not recognizing these two guys as being part of one of the great rabbinical schools one of the great rabbinical seminaries that are going on at the time, they're not they don't seem to be associated with them. So where are they getting their, this teaching, this power, this authority that they think that they can arrogantly teach the people? Which says pretty clearly, because all of these people in this council had the highest of education, which does warn us that education does not equal spiritual maturity or spiritual understanding. So it says in verse eight, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, not just indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which he was all the time, but he was filled in that moment with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders. And just so you know, that, that address, ruler of the people and elders, was actually a polite and respectful form of response to an authority in that day. It's interesting that Peter probably had every temptation and probably could justify addressing these rogue religious leaders in an insulting way, but he didn't. Can't help but wonder if that's an indictment on us when we lack politeness and respect for those that don't acknowledge Christ and that do things that we don't like, whether it's on social media or in person. But he responds and he says, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has, by, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Like, that's Peter's response. And, and, and he says, he says, if we're being punished or questioned for this good deed, let us make it known that it was Jesus Christ by his power that, that this man, and the, the one who you crucified, the one you rejected, and he quotes Psalm 118, verse 22, which he says, the stone that you rejected has become the cornerstone. And he says there's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus Christ. There's no savior other than Jesus Christ. And so these, all of these, these up to 70 some religious leaders standing in a half circle around Peter and John, that's, that's some pressure. <laughs> standing around Peter and John, it says in verse 13, it says, now, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. 
and they recognized they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? I don't want us to miss this because it's easy to kind of interpret things in our present language rather than the language that was used in that moment. The text says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, that term boldness that's used there that, 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 it, that Luke chooses to write in this passage, that term was often in the first century used in a political context. And it would be probably pretty well thought of today as freedom of speech. They saw their freedom of speech, but not the way we think of freedom of speech. Because when we think of freedom of speech, we think of protected speech. That I can say what I wanna say without risk or consequence. That's the kind of freedom of speech that we have grown to be accustomed to and the kind of, of speech that we are confident and bold about. That we're more than willing to speak freely when there's no risk and no consequence. But, but here, what that meant was a freedom with their speech in the present risk and likelihood of negative consequence because of their speech. Think about that for a second. The, the, the religious leaders saw the freedom in which Peter and John spoke in the light of almost assured consequence and risk of their speech. They were not protected in their speech, but they spoke anyway. They didn't hesitate. And it says they, they saw that they were, were uneducated common men. It doesn't mean that they were illiterate or they were dumb. They had the same amount of training that every Jewish person had up to a certain age. And so they knew probably more than we know about Christianity that they knew about Judaism at that point. But what they didn't do, they were common uneducated men who didn't go to a rabbinical school. They weren't, they weren't special enough when they reached that age to be asked by a rabbi to join his school. So that these are men who were kind of cast off, they were throwaways, they weren't good enough to come to the rabbinical schools. But notice that they say, and they recognize that they had been with Jesus. And I don't know if this is just a loose association to say they were, they, we saw them with Jesus, or this is a much deeper thing, which, which I think it can mean both things, but a much deeper thing of they had been with Jesus and if you've been with Jesus, you're a very different person. If you've been with Jesus, you do and say things that will amaze and shock other people. But they couldn't cover this up because there was a man who'd been lame for 40 years who's now walking. And so they can't just pass this off. And, 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 so, and so here, 
here they, 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 speak to, they, they speak to Peter and John and they say, hey, you guys are dismissed. You go wait out here. And so back to the text, it says, for that notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. In other words, we, we can't get past this. We can't fool the people because they see it. Notice that the priests were actually acting like politicians because politicians woo the heart of men, but a priest woos the heart of God. A politician pursues the desires and the passions of men, but a priest pursues the desires and the passion of God. And, and so they're concerned about what the people are gonna think. And so, so it, says, it says, but in order that, that, that this may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name of Jesus. So they called them in and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And so they basically gave them a cease and desist order that would be binding because this was a ruling council within Israel. They gave them a gag order. Do not use the name of Jesus any longer. A formal court order regarding the name of Jesus Christ that they are not to use any longer. So verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, and they kind of ask a question. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to, to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we cannot help. We are obsessed with, with, with speaking the name of Jesus, speaking about who Jesus is and proclaiming the works that God is doing. And when they had further threatened them, because at this point they have no formal basis to punish them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. In other words, they were afraid of the people because they were more about popularity than being priestly. For all those people were praising God for what had happened. For the man whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So it says earlier in the text, it says about 5,000 people came to Christ because of what they were seeing. And so the, 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 the religious leaders are concerned about what's going on and they're, they're hesitant. They can't legally punish Peter and John at this point, so they threatened them and gave them a formal order. So in the event that they use the name of Jesus again, they can punish them. So I don't know if they're, they're expecting the, the Peter and John to go and not say anything. That's probably what they would prefer. But if they do, now they have reason to arrest them and punish them. So then in verse 23, it says, when they were released, Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they go to, to someone's home 
and they go to, to, the, to, the, to the church, to the rest of the, where the church is where believers gather. So they went to where believers gather, which is the church, and, and they told them what happened. And it's interesting because, because I think that in, in that moment, this is, by the way, the first moment of persecution within the life of the early church in Acts. This is the beginning. And it's not, it's not intense, harsh persecution. And, and, but, but here's the first moment of persecution. And Peter and John go back to the believers, the church, the gathered family of God, and they relay what has happened. What do you think we would do if all of a sudden we were threatened by society, the government, our culture, we came back and, hey, hey, this just happened. I think in a lot of ways, we would jump to this point of saying, okay, how do we strategize in doing what we feel like is important to do? Maybe how can we continue to speak the name of Jesus without the leaders hearing us or seeing us so that they can't prove that we did it? <laughs> that way we can keep speaking the name of Jesus without consequence. Or maybe if there was heavy persecution or maybe light discomfort, we might say, well, I don't think I can live here anymore. I need to move somewhere else where it's more comfortable because it's getting too intense here for me. What's interesting is the text says, and when they heard the story, they lifted their voices together to God and said, they immediately prayed together. They lifted their voice together to God and said, and I want you to hear their prayer. They say, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And it's really important to catch the beginning of their prayer and their address of God, who they're praying to. There's a typical word that is translated into our English Bible in the New Testament, which is translated into the word Lord. That's kurios. It's Lord, Master. It's, it's the typical word that refers to a Lord, Master, something like that. But Luke doesn't use that word in this, in this prayer. That's not the word they used. They used a Greek term, despota, which is what we get our word despot from. It's typically in a negative context. But back then, this word that's translated sovereign Lord, it does not just mean Lord in general, but it is absolute despot control no legitimate opposition, no one can stand against. It is someone who has all authority for all time, for all purposes. So they pray, Sovereign Lord, saying that he is above, far above all other gods and powers and priests and guards and nations. Sovereign Lord, then they continue, they say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and then they quote Psalm chapter two, 
Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They, they quote this Psalm, Psalm 2, which is a coronation Psalm. But they only quote part of it. They talk about the kings of the earth and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and his anointed, his Christ. And, and it's interesting because if you, if you go to the, the Psalm, let me read what Psalm 2 says. It says, why do the nations raid and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will therefore decree, the Lord says to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is kindled quickly. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. There's a lot of the psalm they didn't quote in their prayer, isn't there? <laughs> Do you notice that they quoted Psalm 2 up to the point of just recognizing that the rulers and the kings and the nations plot against the Lord's anointed, but they don't get into the Lord's punishment of those people. Look what they say. Why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. For truly, now taking the psalm into modern day and, and identifying the players, for truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, the anointed, the Christ, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, the king of the Jews and, the, and, 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 a, and a king in Rome along with the Gentiles, along with, that's also seen as the nations. But here's where there's a, there's a turn from what they're praying from Psalm 2, because Psalm 2 is talking about everyone outside of Israel. But look what they pray in, Psalm, in this prayer. They say, and the peoples of Israel. They've just leveled the playing field. They've included the peoples of Israel in those who are rebelling against King Jesus. That is super offensive. <laughs> That's super offensive. He says, they've gathered against, together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. It's one of those moments in scripture where whether you're an Arminian or a Calvinist, you're right. And whether you're an Arminian or Calvinist, you're wrong. <laughs> because they clearly pray to God the Father and recognize the responsibility for their actions that Herod, Pilate, the Gentiles, and the Jews had 
At the same time, they recognize that God's sovereign plan was going according to schedule. <laughs> so there's this personal responsibility that is on the heads of these people, yet God is sovereign in the midst of it all. And so now that they've recognized and they've, they've, they've called out to God who he is, they ask two things, and I want you to hear what they ask. And now, Lord, in verse 29, look upon their threats. That's the first ask. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Basically, they're saying, hey, God, did you notice what they said to us? God, did you just see what happened? They're not giving God a prescription of what to do. They're not telling God, defeat our enemies. They're not saying, they're not saying to, to have mercy on our enemies. All they're saying is, God, notice what happened. That's some boldness. They're not telling God what to do. They're just saying, God, just notice. And for my benefit, God, did you see what happened? Okay, God, I just need to know that you saw that. <laughs> I trust you to do what's best. That's basically what they're saying. And then their second ask is this. Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. Their second, question, their second ask is this. Give us boldness to speak the name of Jesus and continue to tell people about the acts of God, what God is doing. The boldness there is the same thing, not protected speech, but the freedom in their speech in the midst of risk and consequence. Grant us free speech, not protected speech, but grant us free speech even though we may be punished, imprisoned, beaten, and even killed. Help us to be bold in proclaiming the name of Jesus. So they pray two things. How often when we face difficulty, do we say, hey God, just did you see what happened? And God, give me boldness so that regardless of what happens to me, that I will continue to speak your name and tell people the works that God is doing. The church's primary ask when we do things is, God, I pray that you'll protect us. That wasn't the primary ask in the church in Acts. They didn't actually care about their safety. They simply said, God, notice what they said, and God, give us boldness with consequence. And then, and then the rest of the the passage says this, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. <laughs> it says the place that they were in was shaken. And, and I've always thought of that as in the context of like the spirit fell. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and there was a shaking because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna throw something out to you that is purely conjecture. But I think it's worth considering. The believers in that room prayed God's glory. 
They didn't pray for themselves. They prayed for the glory and the kingdom of God under the authority of King Jesus. And they said, God, just notice what they said. Do what you will. We don't care. Just we need to know that you saw it and grant us boldness to keep proclaiming the name. They asked God to do exactly what God wanted to do. They asked God, they prayed in Jesus' name. They prayed, thy will be done. That God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven, and and, in Kevin. (laughs) That'd be super weird. Although God's kingdom can come in Kevin too. That's a legit thing. It can be in all of us. Anyway, (laughs) they prayed exactly what God wanted. And I wonder if the place they were in was was shaking because God was jumping up and down in joy because his people finally asked him what he wanted them to ask him. How often does our place shake because God is full of joy over what you and I are asking of him? You see, These believers in the early church had a choice to take off their wedding dress and go do things their own way, in their own power. But they obeyed. They didn't trash it, and they went and did exactly what the heart of God desired. And I believe And unfortunately, in my mind, I see kind of the Monty Python drawings, God jumping up and down the place they were in shaking. But God jumped up and down and the place they were in shook because God was so excited about how he was gonna answer the prayers of his people. This shaking of the spirit is not simply a sign of power, but of pleasure. God's excitement here is evident. And the spirit fills all the people gathered there and they speak God's word boldly. They don't speak God's word stupidly or arrogantly or insultingly. They speak God's word boldly, meaning that they would receive whatever consequence came at them because of the name of Jesus. And so what does this look like for us? I don't know in this process of reading this passage this morning, I don't know what has hit you, but I have been living under this for a while now. And this is, I think, life-changing. A couple weeks ago, Student Ministries went to Vertigo Camp. And... uh, Wednesday evening during their session, the speaker who came all the way from New York to speak said very little, almost nothing. But there was a filling of the spirit in that room on Wednesday And the students and the leaders were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know that because they proclaimed the name of Jesus and spoke of God's work. 
But then beyond Wednesday night, every one of them had a choice to make. Will I continue to obey? When I pass that garbage can, have I gotten what, I've, what I want from God? And do I throw off what he's given me? Or do I continue to obey? See, where, where, where are you? Where, where am I? Where are we? You see, it, it doesn't matter if you're opposed to Christ. <laughs> if you're not surrendered to Jesus, it doesn't matter how we feel. Jesus is king. And if you've come to Jesus for forgiveness, you've received salvation, and you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, but you must continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and disobey. We do it all the time. But you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and disobey. But that's a choice that you have to make every day, every hour. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we proclaim Jesus and what God is doing. Are you boldly, respectfully, and politely proclaiming who Jesus is and what God is doing? Students and, and adults who were at Vertigo that Wednesday night, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you gonna be filled with the Spirit tomorrow? Or were you filled with the Spirit yesterday? Because just because you were filled with the Spirit on Wednesday night doesn't mean that you're filled with the Spirit this morning. You have to regularly and often surrender yourself to Jesus. You see, we are the priesthood of believers. When we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we become the priesthood. We are a nation of priests. We are a holy people. And we are called to proclaim Jesus and tell people what God is doing. And we as priests are to bring others toward Jesus regardless if our speech is protected or not. And maybe our prayer should be, God, did you notice what, what they, did you notice, God, what legislation they passed? Okay, just asking. God, give me boldness to do what pleases and honors you in a way that will draw others to the foot of your throne. Maybe that's how we should start praying. This morning, we're gonna do something because of who we are. I wanna invite all of those who are going on missions trips in the next month or so to come forward right now. Um, you can come on up on this stage. Um, we've got people going to San Francisco, to Mexico, Peru, to Cambodia, and uh, you don't have to stand in single file. This doesn't have to be neat. It can be messy. <laughs> so we've got people going all over. And we want to pray this morning 
that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit because frankly, going on a missions trip does not fill you with the Holy Spirit. You need to be surrendered to Jesus and ask that the Holy Spirit fills you every single day. Holy Spirit's in you, but you need to take responsibility to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing about what's happening is that we are all priests. We are sending some of the priests to places to proclaim Jesus and tell the works of God and point people toward King Jesus. But you see, every one of us in this room are also priests and don't have to go to Cambodia or to Peru or Mexico or the Bay Area to proclaim Jesus and speak of what God is doing. Because every one of us every day have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to go out and proclaim Jesus. And so what I wanna do to close this, ser this, this service this morning and to send us out is I want you guys to go out and I want you to get behind or around, spread out with people here and I want us all to stand and I want us all to be commissioned because that's the reality of who we are and where we are, is we are all sent people. We are all sent to proclaim Jesus and that. So maybe just a couple of you stay up here, but the rest of you guys go down there. And I want everyone to stand. And I want us to pray together. I want us to pray just like in the room in Jerusalem after Peter and John got back. And it says all the believers in one voice, not meaning they maybe said the same thing, but they had the same heart and the same spirit. And they prayed out loud with one voice. Sovereign Lord, creator of everything, notice their threats and grant us boldness. And so this morning, here's what I want us to do with one voice all together, whatever happens maybe even laying hands on one another and praying that God would notice what's happening and praying that God would give every one of us boldness to proclaim the name of Jesus and speak of the acts and the works of God. And so let's pray now out loud as if God hears us, as if God wants that that God would shake this place because his people are coming to him and asking him exactly what he wants us to ask him for. So let's pray right now that God would see what's going on around us and that he would give us boldness. Pray right now.
you can keep praying. Sovereign Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I pray right now for the students and the adults who are going to these different places that you've appointed. God, you see the, the, the threats that exist in those places. And I pray that you would give those individuals boldness. Boldness with wisdom and respect and a freedom with their speech that comes out of a fullness of the Holy Spirit. God, that you would see the things around us here in our homes and and where we work and in the community. God, you see the plans of this world. God, take notice of that. And God, give us here in this place boldness to proclaim Jesus and to focus on what matters and not be distracted at all the things that can cause us to miss the mission that you've given us. God, I pray that you would be pleased and overjoyed with your bride. that we would not discard the righteousness that you've clothed us with. But God, we would wear it and we would live in the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.